The galaxy is burning, brother fights brother, and treason splits the Imperium of Man. This is the Horus Heresy. Whether you're a warrior of the Legionis Astartes, an adept of the Mechanicum, or a mortal in a galaxy of madness, you'll find your place here. Welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, broadcasting deep within the bowels of the Vengeful Spirit. Hello and welcome to the Remembrancer's Retreat, a Warhammer 30k podcast. My name is Jesse. I'm here with Carol. Hi. Austin. What up? And David. Hey guys, what's going on? So yeah, let's dig into demons. Austin and David. I know you two have uh, looked pretty uh, intensely into these new rules that have come out. Hi. I'm still waiting for my book. All I've got are screenshots in front of me right now, which are pretty decent, but yeah, it's really not the same as having a book in front of you. It's not. It's not. No, it's never um, the same. So I have been looking into it pretty hard. Uh, I can't say I am an expert at this yet because uh, I've had them for like you know four days, five days to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is definitely an army uh, like no other in the heresy. Um, and you can't even, like, I thought when, when we heard, you know, oh, you're going to be able to customize your demons and be like various like gods or not or whatever. I thought it was going to be something close to what the militia have, you know, you, Mm -hmm. there's some generic demons and you pick your thing and all your demons benefit from that thing. Not really. Um, so we'll, we'll just walk through the first, the first thing is there are absolutely zero models for this army. Um, they specifically say in a designer note, it's called the perils of infinite variety. And it's literally, they, you know, nobody knows what demons are at this point. Nobody knows what's going on. They don't know corn from Nurgle from, you know, furies, anything. Um, and they very specifically state that these rules, uh, they all have kind of a flavor. And if you played 40 K, um, or know anything about demons in the fluff, mm-hmm. you'll be able to say, oh yeah, this this etheric um, dominion is like the corn one, and this is the zinch one, and for all you old hammer guys, there's a malal one, which is really cool. Um, but none of them are supposed to be that, right? This This list, you know, you can have bloodthirsters, you can have, you know, as just your quintessential corn demon, uh, you could have lizard men, you know, you could have dryads painted up however you want to represent whatever sort of god. Um, and now we're diving more into the fluff than the rules, but I'll hit on it because it's been going around a couple of different forums. Yeah, I think, Austin, and this is an interesting point, man, right? Like, so I think in the designer's note, the perils of infinite variety, which is 231, um, page 231 in book eight, when everybody gets book eight, right? Like it's pretty clear that they want you to use the existing range of GW miniatures, right? So they want you to go out and get um, some of the new, you know, um, Slaneshi demons or the corn demons or use old GW demons, but like it's very loose, right? So it's not going to yeah, be pres- like, prescribed. Not use demons at all. Like if yeah. You- if you want to use all the what are the new ones? Night haunters, yeah, 
Like, yeah, if you want to use those awesome. guys, you could totally make that happen in this book. Nice. Uh, and I think that's that's a couple of reasons uh, from a fluff perspective for all of you that are like, oh, I could triad's not really a demon for 40k. There's a couple of ways you can look at this. The first is that demons manifest into the materium to be the thing that scares a person most, right? So in 40k, which is where we have all of our, you know, what a blood letter looks like, what a plague uh, plague bearer looks like, even though the Imperium denies the existence to the like the common man that these things are actually real, allegorically, you know, you'll see a fresco and there'll be a, I, you know, a stylized blood letter being, you know, trampled by Dorn or whatever. Uh, so that becomes stuck in their psyche is what the big bad evil thing looks like. So when a rift opens and a bunch of corn demons show up, that's what they look like because that's the terrifying thing that we all kind of expect to see. Uh, in the heresy, there wasn't that, you know, uh, they, they're just crazy warp shit and who the hell knows what they are. And my God, the guns don't work and everyone is being torn to pieces. <laughs> um, so you can, you can look at it from that perspective. The other way, and which is really interesting, and I've only been thinking about this, like I said, for like a week, two weeks max, um, is that at this point, with the, the ruin storm and demons kind of coming into the material world for the first time in millennia, uh, and all the big demon powers you know, Corn and Zinch and Slanesh and Nurgle all sort of working towards one end. This is also sort of the time where you could see lesser demon, like lesser manifestations getting called out, right? You know, uh, for example, like Furies. Furies are listed in all the books as undivided demons. But that's not really what they are. Furies are a manifestation of, like, the warp, Right? So there's probably some, like, you know, demon god of furies, and all the little furies are just sort of aspects of, you know, a fear of flying or whatever. Minor gods. Yeah. And there's obviously an infinite variety of these minor gods. And at this point in the heresy, you know, the chaos worship, they also don't really know what they're doing. So, like, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you might want to call on Horn, the big bad god of infinite kick-ass. Uh, but you don't really know how to do it. So maybe you just get, you know, instead of the God of war, the God of, you know, things that are afraid of being attacked from the sky, or instead of, you know, the God of infinite pleasure, you get the God of like moderate embarrassment. (laughs) (laughs) Like their demons are going to be, you know, whatever they look like, they're going to be capable of doing the work. But again, fast forward 10,000 years and nobody cares about that demon anymore because it's sort of established that if you really want shit done, here are the four guys you go to. Um, So just from like a fluff army building perspective, there's that. Uh, And they they do nod to that later on. We talk about the uh, some of the rules in here for like non-traditional demon armies. Um, So, yeah, that's my little segue into the fluff. And the rest of this is going to be. Probably pretty pretty rules heavy. So for those of you that only care about fluff, I'm not sure what to tell you. 
Well, you know, I like love, so I'm gonna interject. Just just listen to Heresy Grad School in a couple of weeks because we'll definitely do a deep dive on this. But yeah, all by all it. means, I mean the fluff the fluff drives the rules, right? So mm-hmm. you know the Lord yeah, drives and, the rules. And, and speaking, so with all of this, make whatever you want, use whatever models you want. They only say like the only thing they give as a guide is base sizes. So if you want a Ruin Storm Greater Demon, it's on a hundred and thirty mil base. Lesser demons, 32, demon beast swarms on 40s. Um, and it's really just whatever you want to stick on that base that in your mind is a demon. I mean, you could actually just take a blue horror and stick it on the right base and say, yep, that's the worst thing which can happen. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> There's nothing worse than a blue horror. All of my bases will be single nerglings. Uh, can't even be a, called modeling for advantage because they're really short. It's great. That's a great point, though, Caro. Like, um, I wonder if this rule set will allow some players, like that, play demons in 40k, right, to kind of come over to the heresy and maybe, you know, play a little bit in this rule set, which I think would be really cool. And I don't know how those base sizes match up. I have I'm not a 40k eighth edition player right now, so they they seem to port pretty well. The only thing is, I'm because I bought all of my generic demons on square bases. I don't know if they come on 32s or 25s. Um, I'd have we to ask Caro. Caro, you have yeah. some demons, I own, right? I own a few, but I really don't remember the base size. I think so it's they're on 32s. Mm-hmm. The new, all right, so yeah. the new uh, boxes, mm-hmm. when they reboxed them all. So I think, I, I think the base sizes are all pretty much in line with the, the new base sizes or recommended yeah. base sizes for all that. Yeah. Awesome. And I, I love that because, like you said, it lets people pull. You know, take their 40k army and port over, and maybe we'll get an influx. Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of like those guard players that decided, you know what, I this is a militia army. I can I can give heresy a go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, soon everybody will have a legion, and <laughs> we all will play happy wars. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the generic rules for demons. So this is what everybody has to deal with. Um, so they get the trait demon of the demon of the ruin storm. Uh, and that replaces the old demon rule. It's all the same as far as I can tell. You make it a five-up invul, you cause fear. You know, if you fail a leadership check, you suffer a perils of the warp. Um, and they specifically state that any rule or effect that targets models with the demon special rule also affects one uh, with demons of the ruin storm. So it's just the 30k version of the word now that we have. Uh, their perils of the warp is different. Um, on a one, the model or unit reduces their weapon skill, ballistic skill, and initiative to one until the end of the controlling player's next turn. And the unit suffers D3 automatic wounds, no saves of any kind allowed. That includes feel no pain. Um, and in addition, if it's in the psychic phase, the psychic phase is over. Um, then two to five is you take D3 automatic wounds with no saves like before. Um, but interestingly, in the psychic phase, if it happens in the psychic phase, both players gain D3 plus one warp charges. Hmm. Um, which I guess is, I, I don't know what that's meant to represent, kind but it's, interesting. it's cool. Kind of weird. Uh, and then on a six, it's the classic, haha, you, you did <laughs> the wrong thing. Uh, the unit gets plus one weapon skill, ballistic skill, and initiative. Uh, 
and if it happened in the psychic phase, just the demon player gets D3 extra warp charges. Uh, the really interesting thing, though, and this is the big one as far as, I think, how this army will work on the tabletop, is parting of the veil. So, a demon army doesn't deploy on the tabletop, really. Um, because pretty much every every unit in the army has this special rule. Um, so if you have it, you start in reserve, and you can't deploy before turn one, just regardless. Um, and then you get a number of warp rift markers. So these are five-inch templates, um, and they kind of suggest making it a half-dome. Um, it counts as impassable terrain, and uh, grants like shoot... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I think it's shrouded. It's like plus two, right? Yeah, it's like shooting through an intervening model, right? Yeah, like a, yeah. Yeah. You um, know what would be perfect for these, Austin? I was just thinking about this. Remember the Storm of Magic template? That came? Yeah. yeah. I'm not 100% sure if they're five inches across, but if they are, yeah. I think I they're, saw them. They're pretty close. Had them and said they are about five inches. Yeah. Awesome. I was also thinking uh, the Skaven Gnaw Holes that just came out. Yep, those are also that's, that's in a three pack for fifty, and like Jesse said, exactly large base size. Nice. Uh, so you get three of these if demons are your primary detachment. Um, if it's anything but your primary, you only get one. So you deploy them after deployment, but before infiltrators go or the roll to seize. They have to be at least six inches away from any table edge and twelve inches away from any enemy unit or any other warp rift marker, or any objectives. You can't put them in terrain. You can't put them inside a building or a fortification. Um, and then once they're down, no enemy may be placed with 12 inches of templates for infiltrators or anything like that. This is really cool. Because if you build your army right, you're essentially ignoring your deployment zone. And doing whatever the hell you think is necessary for the type of build you've got, uh, for the mission you your plague or want to play. Mm -hmm. um, it can also really screw you because some of these missions, you know, Hey, I, you know, get six objectives. You deploy yeah. six objectives on a table. Yeah. They all have to be 12 inches apart from each other. And uh, then the enemy is pretty much, you know, in their deployment zone, you can't drop one of these. And then where does your warp rift go? <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting because there's kind of an incentive as a demon player to put your objectives in the enemy's deployment zone because you're not going to be able to go there anyway and you have to like clear space on the rest of the table to drop your warp wrist down. So it's a fun little like game within a game almost. And they also, Austin, I think they then they count as your zone. So like a demon player doesn't have a board edge like they yeah. then that that warp rift marker becomes you know their deployment zone they fall back or they deploy from with ongoing reserves yeah any anything with that parting of the veil special rule then treats it um as their board like the closest one as their board edge. Um, yeah it's a really also, cool mechanic as a cool trick um any models with the demon of the ruin storm special rule within six inches of a warp rift reroll failed impulse uh, which, for those of you uh, thinking about it in your head, are bad at math like I was. 
Um, a re-rollable five up is about a 55% chance of success. There are upgrades you can do for the three up armor save, which is like a 60, you know, 66% chance. So it's not quite as good as power armor. Um, but it's still, you know, something as a demon player that'll help a lot, especially since when they come out of the warp rift. Um, so you start rolling for reserves turn one. Yep. Um, and when you come out of the warp rift, you can run or shoot, but you can't charge. So it kind of behooves you to not like move your full six inches and then run away some more. Like you kind of want to stay close to that warp rift the first turn. Cause you're not going to be able to charge anyway. Mm-hmm. So Austin, here's here's something I was thinking about with this, right? Because coming out of a warp rift is like coming on the table edge from reserves, right? So if you've got mm-hmm. vets, you know, you you've got a six inch move, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is it is it based on your actual movement or is it just six inches? Uh, no, it's your basic move. So you could have potentially more than that if you were like a yeah. twelve inch, yeah, yeah. If, if you're like jump infantry or something, you can definitely go out further. That's that's not hindered. But most of the stuff, well, actually, I take it back. Pretty much every model in the army can uh, become jump infantry. So, which might be important though, because I'm thinking about this and I'm thinking, okay, so your army is null deploy. You've got three warpers on the table, and let's say somebody else has. Um, you know, either drop assault or uh, what's the one where they come in with all flyers, right? The the angels yeah, of uh, death or something like that. I can't. Yeah. It's not what it's called, but no. um, so if if the demons are not able to deploy because you can't put them outside of the warp rift, right? So if you can't deploy them within six inches of that bubble, then they just can't deploy. Yeah, right? they but they're not destroyed. They just stay in ongoing reserves. Um, there are some models in the army that auto come in turn one, unless you specifically don't want that to happen. Um, but I'm just thinking like about like, so if a warp rift, so if you have three, let's say one is in somebody's deployment zone, right. Or, or close to it because you have to put it there. Uh Right. Then that person turn one, if they go first, I mean, this will happen. All right. It's not going to happen to all three warp rift. tokens but it will happen to one you will be able to cut it off right you will be able to move your force so you you know you 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 can put a model in not quite base contact all the way around exactly right vehicles will be able to block off these things and so it will limit the ability for somebody to come on turn one so it's interesting um because it's not quite as powerful i think as deep strike right because deep strike you know you you move it until you yeah and not only that but like deep strike it's anywhere you want on the table yeah exactly this is very specific um you know no terrain no fortifications must stay away and the enemy knows from their turn one where all these things are going to be but still, Which, how likely is it to be that you or enemy is able to block all three of those warp rifts? I mean, they would have to put quite a number on there. Yeah, I mean, I hope it's impossible because if you could do that, theoretically, you break the game, right? You just probably would never. Yeah. I mean, if if you're playing, a, it'll it'll be like that uh, that famous photo of that Croot versus White Scar game. Right? <laughs> Could Daisy change them all? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the guy had a really OP White Scars list. This is back in like. Fifth edition, fourth edition, um, and so the crew and he saw the crew guy and null deployed just because that's what he wanted to do, and the crew guy infiltrated all of his models along the black 
the guy's deployment zone, and the guy couldn't come on and auto lost the Warriors. And there's still a picture that you can find of like the the guy with the white scars and like the TO pouring over the rule book while the crew guy just had the biggest shit eating grin in his face. <laughs> and at the time the crew were not good at all, so that, Yeah. But it it's a it's great. Um however, so this um to to get back to the, the rules, there is one other funny thing. Um Rules that place modifiers of any kind on reserve rolls made to see which demons of the Ruin Storm units interplay have no effect on models entering play via a warp rift model. The vagaries of the warp pay no heed to the tactics or technology of mankind. So yeah. while you might get, you know, a guy cut off your your warp rift and be trying to do it to all three, at least you won't be able to dick with your reserves to give himself some extra time to do that. Which I like a lot because I know some of those drop assault armies. You know, you got a command rhino minus one to reserve rule. Right, just shits all over it. Yeah. Um, so you're always coming in on a three up on turn. Always, one. always yep. on a three up starting turn one. Yep. Um, so the other really cool thing is tides of madness. Uh, again, this is a special rule that pretty much every model in the army has. Um. And it says they are drastically affected by the shifting tides of the warp and have their base statistics modified based on the game turn. So turn one, two, they get plus one toughness, plus one strength, which is awesome because a lot of these guys are base four and five for both those things. So it gets real, real good yeah. there in the early going. And a lot of the weapon, all of the weaponry is based on the model strength, which is really cool. Uh, on turn three to four, there's nothing either way. Uh, five to six, it's minus one toughness and strength. And if it goes to seven or past, it's minus two to toughness and strength. So I wouldn't call demons an alpha strike army. But if you don't have the upper hand, you know, going into turn five, the enemy can, can turn things around real quick as your toughness, you know, five and six demons shooting strength five and six weapons suddenly or strength three and four and right and you're probably locked in combat at that point right because i mean yeah five turn five right you guys are probably come or, to you know, yeah the last yeah. five marines are trying to deal with the last three demons <laughs> gonna need something to keep a marker or something to keep track of that because i know if i played demons i would completely forget that every time oh yeah 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 or worst of worst you'd remember the bonus because it happens on turn one and then you know you get into the game <laughs> turn six rolls around and you're halfway through it and you're like, oh, shit, I should have been plus one, minus <laughs> one strength toughness this whole time. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure that'll, while, while I really like it as a concept and as a rule, I'm sure it's going to make some people like accidentally uh, very salty. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of bookkeeping, definitely. But it is universal. It does happen to everybody. So that's, it makes things a little easier. You know, you're not having to track, all right, this unit's been on the table three turns, so it has this, this has been on two, so it's that. Yeah. So, small favors, I guess? Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the big, the big rules that affect every demon in the army. And then you can pick Etheric Dominion. And I guess the closest I can come to describing what these are in a general sense uh, is the provinces for Imperial Militia. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to give one buff 
to your army, um, sometimes a debuff. You get a little bit of Warlord traitness. Um, and what's really cool is you yeah. get a special mission. Um, well, no, it replaces your objectives. Yeah. And so if you're yeah. playing, you know, an objective game and you say, all right, well, shit, you know, based on everything, I don't think I'm going to be able to win an objective game with this army. I'm going to play my Etheric Dominion mission instead. And your opponent still plays whatever mission, you know, the scenario calls for. He's still playing kill points or objectives or whatever, but you're scoring VP on other things. Which I think is super thematic, right? Because demons of the warp, right? These warp creatures, these warp entities, whatever they are, are not interested like in the mortal machinations of men, right? They don't care about holding ground or, you know, strategic things that would be important to a, you know, a ground war. They're just like, no, man, we're, we're reaping the bloody toll, right? We're, we're going in there and we're doing stuff for the gods back home, um, which is very cool. And I love that these um, etheric dominions let you play two different um, objectives games, right? So the, so the, the regular player, right? The legionnaire, legionnaire player or the um, mortal player, right? Solar auxilia, Imperial militia, whatever, right? You're still playing the normal mission. Um, but the demon player is like, no, nah, man, I'm playing my own mission. I got my own shit to do. So. And I really love that. Just like as a game mechanic, I love yeah. it when there's scenarios where people are trying to do different things. Cause Absolutely. It's, yeah. Cause it's, it's simpler to say, okay, we both have to take these objectives. Therefore, if I take the objectives, there's no way he can win. You know, when things like this pop up, it's okay. I have to take these objectives, but also he's trying to just get victory points or kill psychers or do some weird thing. So, you know, even if I get objectives, I might still lose. The question is, do you need to tell what your objective is? Or yeah, I think so. Yeah. Do you? Also, do you have to do it or can you pick? Nah, you, you pick. Nah. You pick. Um, I like that. So I'll, all right. So the first, the first etheric dominion is resplendent terror. And I guess you wanted to put a name on it. This would be chaos undivided. Um, so an army with this dominion may select any emanation of hate, uh, including those usually restricted to any of the other tier commands. Emanations of hate are the unit upgrades, and we'll talk about those in a little bit, uh, but they're the cool stuff that makes demons awesome. Um, warlord trait, same thing, can use any other etheric dominion's warlord trait. Uh, and then, so this is, this is the re the reading for all the special mission replacements. It's in addition... An army whose primary detachment has this dominion may choose to replace all of their primary objectives. Oh, interesting. In any mission with the following primary objective. Uh, their opponent's objective remains the same, unchanged, as do any secondary objectives. Alright, so that's cool. So you're still having to you know, do whatever the secondary is. Um, but this one, uh, the uh, primary objective is end of days. Each enemy unit destroyed, removed from play, or forced to feel Forced to flee the field of battle, scores the Demon of the Ruined Storm player one victory. So essentially, with Resplendent Terror, you can say, F this, I'm playing kill points. Yeah, and that would be your typical, like, chaos, undivided demon incursion, right? You're just, you just want to kill shit. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, and this is, like, 
another good one, you know, if you have a minor demon of whatever's force, yeah. just kill stuff. All right, here yeah. we go. Yeah, or absolutely. hell, even a corn army, right? Not not too far afield. Yeah, I think it works. Um, speaking of corn, yeah. uh, the next one on the list is Crimson Fury. Um, pretty much everybody in the army gets the rage special rule. Um, and if you're a monstrous creature, flying monstrous creature, gargantuan creature, it's, uh, you instead get the rampage special rule, which I assume is just the big version of rage. I have no idea what that means. I'll look it up while you guys keep talking. All right. Um, so you must declare a charge. Uh, if able, when you begin the assault phase with 12 inches of enemy units, there's more than one you can pick. Um, and then its special thing is the brass collars emanation, uh, which is a three-up armor save and adamantium will, which is cool. And then you get... This sounds a lot like the Red Butchers, which makes sense, but still. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of like the generic corn things, right? Um, so a demon lord with this dominion may choose to generate a warlord trait for the following table instead of the normal ones. Um, Skullkeeper, warlord in any friendly unit with the demon of the ruins form special rule within six inches of the warlord, adds d3 to the wounds value when calculated to see if they win combat in the assault phase. I think that's awesome. As a militia player who gets plus one to combat res for having a banner uh, in units that are not good at combat, that has won and tied me more combats than I can count. Adding D3 to it seems amazing. Yeah. Um, So then three to four, Aegis of Rage. Um, Warlord or friendly unit within 12 targeted by a psychic power. You can attempt to deny the witch as though they were a psyker of a higher mastery level and the Psyker manifesting the power uh, and count as part of the unit being targeted regardless of actual mastery weapon, mastery levels. So that's a 5-up, right? Yeah. Which wow. is pretty solid. Yeah. Um, you know, again, not all conquering, but, you know, suck it, Magnus. <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of, we'll get to that later. Um, and then the other one is when your Warlord declare a charge, you roll dice equal to the, its attack value to determine the distance moved, keeping the two highest results and discarding all the other dice. Holy shit, And man. you can make some nasty, nasty Blender Lord demons uh, <laughs> that'll have five or six attacks. That sounds great. Say goodbye to rolling four inches ever again. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're pulling off 12-inch charges like pretty much consistently. I think. I mean, I don't know, but it so, seems highly likely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, suddenly, tenant charges are a thing. They're definitely a thing. So, their special mission is the blood must flow. And all of these are just so damn fluffy. The Demon of the Ruin Storm player gains one victory point for every unit, friendly or enemy, that has been destroyed either in, the, either in combat due to results of Overwatch or as part of a sweeping advance. Because uh, corn cares not from whence the blood flows as <laughs> long as it flows. Um, Pretty sweet. And that's real good. <laughs> like, and I, who knows how popular demon armies are going to wind up being, you know, but if suddenly the corn one is the one everyone gloms onto, maybe people start rethinking the, the mass assault arm. 
you know? Yeah, that'd be cool, man. It's just hard to win. So um, ramp, Rampage, yeah. just real quick, Austin. Rampage for you guys following along at home. Page 170 in the Age of Darkness rulebook. It is at the start of any fight subphase, models with the Rampage special rule gain D3 attacks in the combat they are in. Uh, if the combat they are in contains more enemy models than friendly models. Um, and then you count all models locked in combat, not just those that are engaged. So that's it. Pretty sweet. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Uh, so next on the list is uh, your Nurgle-esque Creeping Scourge, is what it's called. Uh, all the infantry, beasts, and cavalry gain Feel No Pain 5 up. Uh, monstrous creatures, gargantuan flying creatures, those guys. Uh, instead, get it will not die. Again, nergly, but it doesn't come out and say it. So if you have something else in mind, you can go do. Um, units included as part of this detachment, which is kind of unique because most of the times it's just the demon units. But anything in this detachment rolls an additional d6 when making run moves or sweeping advance and uses the lowest rolled die to determine the distance moved. Hmm. Um, and you can get, you know, the special emanation, uh, the demon lord warlord traits, or the warlord and all friendly units with the demon of the rune throne special rule within six inches are considered to always roll a six when called upon to take difficult or dangerous terrain test, which wow. is an interesting way of saying it. Um, three to four, monolith of rot, warlord rerolls feel no pain or will not die tests, um, which doesn't seem that fantastic, to be perfectly honest with you. Although re-rolling your will not die can be cool, but eh. And then Pestilential Cloud, all units in three inches of the Warlord at the end of any fight subphase that aren't demons suffer D6 strength 2 AP dash hits. Um, which just seems really weird. I mean, it's supposed to be like a cloud of flies or whatever, so you don't expect to be crazy good. Yeah. Uh, definitely um, less exciting Warlord traits, I feel. Um, and its special mission is Torment Without End. At the end of the game, after the final turn has been played, the demon player gains two victory points for every table quarter that has a warp rift in it. No enemy units in six inches of that warp rift marker and at least one friendly demon of the Ruin Storm unit within six inches of that rift marker. It's a pretty interesting uh, objective. Yeah, and remember, you're getting to re-roll your invul saves if you're within six inches of one of these things. Mm -hmm. So, if you're playing this, you can, I feel, be pretty confident in scoring just six VP. Which, in most missions, will win you the hell out of that game. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So that's actually... Take some tough boys and just kind of hunker down by the warp rifts. Yeah, like... That, that would explain why the Warlord traits aren't quite as exciting as the other ones. You keep your enemies out of it, but I'd imagine, like I said, if you have some tough demons, you might be able to yeah, keep Yeah, oh, and, and demons are definitely an assaulty army, right? Like, their shooting is not fantastic, but their assault is absolutely devastating. So Tie up anybody who's I trying mean, to you'd have to you'd have to weather that starting to lose strength and toughness bonus, but it seems solid. It um, seems very Nurgle too, right? Like, cause yeah. those are the, those are the portals that lead back to the, to the garden, right? Mm-hmm. So you're trying to keep those open so that the, the contagion can spread. 
Yeah, it's um, it's good, man. I, I do. I like I like the thought that's been put into these. Yeah, these um, are all all super fluffy. Yeah, and, and also, I mean, not that I was a huge demon player uh, in 40k, but they also seem to have little twists on the normal demon rule, demon like way you play the overall theme, which is cool. It's not just like a cut and paste from the seventh ed demon codex. Oh yeah, definitely not. Yep. Um, so next up is Lurid Onslaught. This is, I guess, your Slaneshi counts as. Uh, all models in the detachment gain hit and run, which is cool. Nice. No unit included as a part of this army may benefit from a cover save, except one provided by Jake. Hmm. Um, would you say that this army would then apply to your allied detachment as well? Mm, no, I don't think that's the way it works. No? All right. I don't know, but I don't think so. I don't think those rules carry over. But I, I mean, it could be wrong. I'm not a rules lawyer. So. I, I don't know. Yeah, we need, we need he like Will or <laughs> Ryan go. Or Robbie. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the warlord traits are when fighting in a challenge against a model with a higher initiative value. Um, the initiative of the warlord is just increased to be equal to that opponent. Which is interesting, but I feel like a lot of the really high initiative units in 30k get bonuses if your enemy's initiative matches yours. So I'm not sure how useful it'll be like in toto. Um, then there's Flickering Gate. The Warlord and Friendly Unit within 6 don't roll uh, when you choose to run, but instead always move the maximum amount possible for that unit. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. And then loping charge, warlord and friendlies within six add plus one to the distance move from making a charge in the assault. And it very specifically says that the maximum possible charge distance for these units is 13 inches. <laughs> Which is cool. That's very cool. And so this this is a this is probably my favorite of the the missions that you get. Well, take it back. It's my second favorite. Um, it's called A Twisted Dream. The Demons of the Ruined Storm player scores 1vp whenever an enemy unit fails a morale check. So it doesn't include, specifically it says, this does not include tests made to regroup, but does include pinning tests, fear checks, and checks made due to the stupefying musk emanation, which is kind of like a fear check. So you get one VP if your enemy fails any of those at any point, which is awesome. However, any enemy unit that succeeds at any of these checks due to a result of insane heroism, double ones, reduces the total number of victory points scored by this army by D3. <laughs> Ouch. That is awesome. So if, if your boys you know, hold the line and look to the colors and roll those snake eyes, uh, you take VP away from the demon player, which is awesome uh, and super fluffy. Because yeah. you know, in all in all the books, whenever you you know somebody sort of shows gumption to a Slaneshi demon or like Lucius the Eternal or somebody, like they always seem man. to get sort of miffed, right? Like sure. it puts them in a bad mood. <laughs> uh, so I like that a lot. Yeah, me too. Then we have maddening swarms. So this is supposed to be the Zinchi one. Um, for my not-major power army, this is the one I'll be taking. Probably. 
Um, and the reason is this. All models in the detachment may select an additional emanation of horror. So pretty much you get one upgrade on top of the other ones you would normally get. And this is important because things like frag grenade equivalents are an emanation of horror. Uh, they're not really expensive. They're like a point of model for the basic infantry. Awesome. We haven't really explained what emanation of horrors are. Can we do that real quick for the list? Just yeah, real quick. Yeah, I was, like, was going to go go through because there you know, a whole shit ton. So the emanation no, of horrors are upgrades for your demons. They're like war gear. Um, Right, like yeah, you just they're, they're like they're like between fifteen, five, fifteen, twenty-five points upgrades. Uh, so, so it depends. Yeah, uh, they divide all the models into three different brackets. Um, so, bracket one is like your lesser demons, the swarms, the cavalry, like the little guys. Bracket two, your demon lords, the shrike, which is a big flying monster, and then bracket three is uh, the lord of war choice and the like four hundred point base demon. And the points vary. So, like, if you want to give a miasma of rot to a lesser demon, that's three points. If you want to give it to a demon lord, it's ten. Right? So there, there's a little scaling. Um, and a couple of them, the, the biggest and nastiest of beasts can't take. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's everything. Like, that's how you give them weapons. That's how you give them, you know, better armor save, rending, shred, whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, um, and I'll I'll go into that more once once we work our way through all of these uh, dominions, which after Maddening Swarms, there's only one more. Um, so the Warlord traits for this are Font of Madness. Uh, each Psychic phase, the Warlord generates warp charges equal to its mastery level plus one, and if the Warlord doesn't have a Psyker special rule, it generates D3. Um, but doesn't may, mean they can manifest powers. Which, eh, I'm not a big psyker, psychic phase person, but mm-hmm. I'm sure that'll excite those of you that are. Uh, then there's etheric lightning rod. For each unit with the psyker special rule within six inches of the warlord during the assault phase, it gains an extra attack. Um, which could be real fun if you suddenly find yourself swarmed by a thousand suns. Get a whole bunch of extra attacks, that's cool. And then Oracle of Chaos. When making enemy any role to determine when friendly reserves arrive in play, or for which fr- table edge friendly outflanking units arrive on, the die can be re-rolled as long as the warlord is alive and on the table. Which seems real good. <laughs> you know, yeah. your whole army's in reserve, comes in on threes, and when the boss is in town, everybody's showing up. Um, which is good. There's no limit on first turn how many units you can bring in, right? Nope. So let's say um, you got let's say you got your boss in turn one. Mm-hmm. He's the first unit you bring in. Mm-hmm. You know, then every unit after that, you're coming in on a two up, right? Well, and it gets better than that because some of the oh no, so you just rolls, yeah. Um, no, it's it's not that that one. It's worse, worse. Um, it's called. There's a special rule. It's called Vanguard of Hell. And on the first turn of the game, and this is pretty much just the Ruined Storm Demon Lord um, and the Brutes, I think, that are kind of his guardian minions. Um, Yeah. 
And what Vanguard of Hell is, is on the first turn of the game, if the unit is composed of you know everybody with that special rule, then no role is made to see if it enters play. Instead, the controlling player might choose whether it comes into play without rolling. Oh, wow. So you can auto bring him on turn one. If you decide to hold off for whatever reason, um, you then have to roll in subsequent turns. You can't just pick the turn he comes on. Okay. But just being able to guarantee that the guy that's giving you the re-roll shows up, uh, I think is important all on its own. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. Uh, and their mission is for each enemy unit destroyed or removed from play or forced to flee the table by a psychic power or by wounds caused by a psychic power, you get one VP. Uh, and if you spent four or more warp charges on whatever power did that, uh, you get two VP. Which, like, you really got to lean into the psychic powers, I feel, to really score a ton of points. But it's interesting, right? It's just another, another fun then, thing you can do. And then you're playing with fire, right? Because the perils of the warp table for the demons of the ruined storm is not the normal perils table. Yeah. Two thirds so, of the time you're taking D three wounds with no saves at all. Yeah. Which yeah. can get rough, but I love it. I think it's very each. It's, yeah. it's very cool. You're just psychic powers are out of control all over the place. It's going to be really fun. Yeah. And then the last one mirror of hatred. And now, sit beside me, young listener <laughs> who knows not of the days of Rogue Trader, and hear ye the tale of Malal. Uh, back in the day, there were more than four of the great powers of chaos. There was the chaos god Malal, uh, who was the god of madness and insanity. Uh, his colors were black and white. If you've ever seen the Brotherhood of Malice, space, chaos space marines, it's kind of a homage. Um, but his whole shtick was he was a chaos god that hated chaos. Um, and his his champions, they weren't out to destroy the Imperium or sack the Empire in fantasy. Their whole shtick was to find other chaos champions of other gods and kill them. Which is awesome. Because, I mean, it they're still awesome. chaos. They'll still, you know fight a space marine chapter if they're around, but that's not what they're really wanting to do. Um, So, uh, all models in this detachment gain hatred, demons, demons of the ruined storm, and psyche. Which, obviously, not super useful in all aspects, but I love that they've, like, worked this old, old, old fluff kind of back into the game. Um, an army using this etheric dominion for its primary detachment may not include an allied detachment because they hate all the traitors. Uh, And then the demon lord warlord traits. The all is one. When this warlord is involved in a challenge against a model uh, with any psyker, demon, or demon of the ruins from special rules, the controlling player may may choose to use the weapon skill and or initiative characteristics of the opposing model for the duration of the fight. Oh, wow. Um, it, this does not alter the characteristics of the opposing model. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Like, oh, <laughs> you, that Lorgar over there? Or, well, not Lorgar, because he's a fucking jump. But, <laughs> you know, Magnus? <laughs> Hi. I'm a lowly, like, demon herald that's the warlord. I'm going to be as good as you now. Yeah, that's so cool, man. 
I love it. Um, and Mirror of Hatred, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then there's Avatar of Hatred. Um, he gets the effects of hatred every fight phase, not just the first. And then the coolest one, Inimitable Recursion. When a warlord with this trait is reduced to zero runes, roll a d6. On a six, the model is placed into ongoing reserves with all of its wounds returned instead of being removed from play. This warlord trait may be used more than once in a given time. There is no limit to the number of times a model may be returned to ongoing reserves. However, once this roll has failed, the model may not be returned to play by any other means. Um, and if the Slay the Warlord secondary objective is in play, then it may be scored each time this warlord is reduced to zero wounds. <laughs> which is not going to make you feel any better if it's like a 500-point demon lord of doom. But at least you can double up on Slay the Warlord, right? And I mean, <laughs> it's on a six. It's not going to happen that often. No. But it's hilarious. However, my all-time favorite mission is right back into that Malal fluff. It's called the Infinite Cycle. Uh, the Demon of the Ruinstorm player scores one victory point for each enemy unit with any of the Psyker, Demon, or Demon of the Ruin special rules that is destroyed, removed from player, forced to flee. And loses one victory point for each friendly unit with any of the Psyker, Demon, or Demon of the Ruinstorm special rules that is destroyed, removed from play, or forced to flee from the battlefield. If, at the end of the game, the Demons of the Ruinstorm player has scored exactly zero victory points, then they are considered to have won, regardless of the number of victory points scored by their opponent. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> that isn't the best shit ever. I mean, the odds of you winning that way seems real low. <laughs> but, like, that, that really just sums up the insanity and craziness uh, that is Malal and like the old rogue trader fluff, and it makes me so happy. It really does. It is. Um, it's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna talk about the emanations of horror next. The the war gear, and the one everybody is freaking out about right now is Lord of Sorcery. It's 25 points. It's only for the mid tier, so like your HQ units, essentially. Um, this unit gains a Psyker special rule and a single level of Psychic Mastery. Additional levels of Mastery may be purchased at a cost of 25 points per additional level. And that's pretty much it. Uh, you can... Uh, it says Demon Lords, Chosen or Greater Demons, and Purchase Dissemination. Only the Demon Lords, which are like the biggest of your HQs, may purchase more than two levels of Mastery. However, it specifically does not mention a maximum for the Demon Lords. So if you wanted to be crazy, you could give them 30 levels, a thousand levels, whatever. Um, and the psychic powers may be selected from any of the disciplines prevented in the Horus Heresy, except for Malefic or Sanctum. Demonology. Hmm. Now this is real good, I'm not going to lie. Being able to pick your psychic power obviously is amazing. Um, but people that are like, oh, you can just have a, a demon with mastery level 20 and just like rule the world. I don't believe it. One, that's insanely expensive. There's absolutely no way it'll make it. Uh, and two, it's just kind of dumb. What do you, like, you're, you're gonna miscast. 
your lord is gonna take those D3 unsavable wounds once a phase, and you're gonna be dead in two turns. And then you lose all your warp dice too, right? And you lose a bunch of warp dice. Like it's not a it's not a good ask. So I think you'll see, you know, obviously level four demon, level five even. Um, if somebody's fighting Magnus, Magnus is what a five or a six? Five, I think. Yeah. If I was fighting Magnus, I might take a level six just on Magnus. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think you're gonna like. There's there's diminishing returns on this real hard. I think. Sure. Um, then you've got demonic wings. Infantry go to jump back infantry or jump back monstrous creature. You know, depending on who you get it to. That's always fun. Although remember, the demons can't be strike. They got to come out of that rift which makes the jump pack infantry a little less fun, but still awesome. Uh, you can give them rending on all your close combat attacks. You can give them shred on all your close combat attacks. And because you can take multiple things per demon unit, you can have rending and shred. And isn't that great? So there's no limit to what you can take? Uh, no, there's a couple like miasma of rot. Uh, that's only takeable by the Nurgle. Um, but each demon has its own thing. So the lesser demons, I think, take three emanations. The brutes can take two. Um, but it's not... So every model in the unit has to take the same emanations, but not every unit of the same type. Yeah. Gotcha. So if you've got ten That's lesser fun. demons in a unit, and you give them, you know, demon wings, crushing claws, and flensing talons... They all got to have that. They all got to pay the price for it. But gotcha. your next unit of lesser demons could have molten blood, a horned crown, and a warp scale high. And that's what makes this cool, I think, because you can have every unit be equipped differently and have vastly different roles. Yeah. It's um, very customizable. And this yeah. is 10 times more customizable than militias. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Sundering Fangs. Um, instead of the normal attacks, you make one attack at initiative one uh, at twice your normal strength to a maximum of ten, and you gain Sunder. This sweet. Uh, Miasma of Rot reduces the enemy toughness value by one, or the armor value by one. Um, that's not cumulative. One unit, five units, still only reducing by one. Um, but if Death Sworn have taught me anything, reducing the enemy's toughness by one is amazing. Uh, brass collars, we already talked about. Three up save, adamantium will. Uh, stupefying musk. You have to take a morale check at the end of the subphase. If it failed, you must reduce your initiative by one for the duration. Eh, but if you're scoring points, if they fail it, why not? Right. Uh, warp scions, you get Brotherhood of Psychers for the unit. This can only be taken by the little, the little guys. Um, but it can also be taken by like your nurgling equivalent which is hilarious. Um, and then you can get Smite, Flame Breath, Assail, or Psychic Shriek. Uh, choose the start of the game. You can't go back and forth. But three stands of like Nurglings with Psychic Shriek seems hilarious. It'll be three points, three points per model, right? Three points a model. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah. And like I'm not going to read through all the points lists for everybody. But it generally goes for the lesser demons and the small things, um, three to five points, medium guys, 10 or 15, and then the big guys, either five or like 15, 20. Yeah. And five tends to be things that are stupid for big guys, like Sundering Fang, 
I'm going to have my strength 9 demon lord swing at one attack. It's for strength 10 for Sunder. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. Sure. Um, you have Corrosive Vomit. Um, for every three models in the unit rounding up, a model can attack with uh, essentially a flamethrower, like your standard flamer, template AP5, uh, with Soul Blaze. That could be fun. Uh, Rift Barb. I was really excited about this until I realized it was a single model in the unit may attack with it. <laughs> um, but you have uh, a Shrike, which is like a flying monstrous creature that's on its own. You can give it this for 15 points. Uh, 12-inch range, AP3, Assault 1, Armor Bane, Strength, the user, plus 2. Fucking Armor Bane, dude. So Fucking. that Shrike is rolling around on turn 1 with Strength 9, Armor Bane. That's <laughs> fucked. That's, that's intense. Yeah. yeah, That's nuts. But, I mean, turn 7, it's Strength 7, Armor Bane. Still not bad. Wrong. No. Um, molten Blood, whenever your unit suffers an unsafe wound... Any enemy units locked in combat suffer a single strength, uh, whatever strength the user, so like whatever your strength of your model is, AP hit. Um, always fun to hurt people when they hurt you bad. <laughs> uh, Horned Crown, you get Hammer of Wrath, or if you already had Hammer of Wrath, it goes to D3. Cool. Warp Scale Hide, uh, this gives you the three up armor save for everybody who's following that. Uh, was it Crimson Fury domination? So anybody that's not like Corn Light. Quicksilver Speed. Uh, fleet move through cover. Awesome, as always. Flaming Icor. For every five models, uh, or fraction thereof, one model may attack with a 12-inch range, strength user, AP5, Assault 1, Small Blast, uh, that has Soul Blaze and this Crawling Fire. Ooh, Crawling Fire. Yeah, that really terrifies me as a Militia player mm -hmm. who normally only has models with 5-up saves. Um, not sure how great it would be against Marines, but a Blast with Crawling Fire that's probably going to be Strength 5 or 6 is not bad. Does Phosphex still have Crawling Fire? Yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, I yeah. So. They, just, they, they just redid the, um, the way the Quad Mortars work, right? So Crawling Fire is still a rule. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, so then Spine Volley, this is one of the two like squad-wide ranged weapons you can get. 12-inch uh, range, the strength is user minus one, AP5 Assault 2. So probably turn strength, you know, four base goes up and down as the game goes. It's like a bolter equivalent. Not terrible, but again, 12-inch range. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Bone Shard Harpoons, and I really <laughs> like them. Uh, twelve inch range, strength is user, AP four, assault one, but pinning. And again, if you're running uh, the Slaneshi lurid, whatever it's called, lurid onslaught, and you're scoring a VP for every failed enemy pin check, right? You give everybody bone shard harpoons. That's score yeah. a VP or two a turn just for showing up. Solid. <laughs> um, then there's ephemeral terror models with dissemination. Uh, it's frag grenades. <laughs> it's frag grenades. Frag grenades. Um, but this is important. Like this is why I like uh, the maddening swarms one because I essentially would get that as like my extra emanation of horror. Um, so I'm not wasting something that could get me like rend 
or a pinning weapon mm-hmm. on frag grenades. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last one, one point also. Yeah, so, yeah. It's one point for the little guys. Uh, and then there's shroud of darkness, uh, defensive grenades. Right. Yep. Yeah. Cool. But that's kind of expensive for defensive grenades. It does seem like five it. points a. So five points maybe, a maybe good for your like mid level guys, but seems expensive to get a whole you know twenty man squad of demons defensive grenades. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to cut corners somewhere. Right? <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I feel like I've talked about this for a long time. Jeff. You want me? You want me to roll into units, or you want to not, hold off not, on that? Absolutely part? not. We're going to milk this for all <laughs> we can for another episode. <laughs> Hooray! Yeah, it'll be good. It'll give people a chance to maybe get their, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I know yeah. my book's coming next week. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah. People can follow along at home. This is this is the first taste. Uh, so. But there's so many good. And they can tell us about all the things we were wrong about. That's right. I was wrong about nothing. <laughs> I I am a podcaster and am therefore always right. Awesome. How that works? You're the first. That's what it says on my business card. Drunk with power, Austin. Awesome. I'm certainly drunk. I've had two glasses of port. Ah oh, man, I didn't drink anything. Oh well, that's fine. <laughs> uh, so if I did get anything wrong, dear listener, you can blame it on Dave's excellent bottle of port. Blame it on the port. <laughs> It is good oh. shit, man. If you guys have a Trader Joe's nearby, I know we're not in yet, but like, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm plugging. I'm plugging right now. I'm fucking Trader Joe's port. Yeah, it's I'm, great. It's like six bucks. Uh, yeah, Trader it's, Joe's, it's give us amazing. Money. Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, anything? Uh, yeah, let's wrap this episode up. Does anyone else have anything they want to talk about? Or um, book eight is amazing. Um, I can't wait to talk about it when you guys get it and. Like we'll definitely be talking about it on on Heresy Grad School. Uh, the deep lore is is it's really good. So nice. yeah, if anybody had any any fears or you know anxiety about Book Eight, you know it is the the last book after you know the passing of Alan Bly, man. But uh, fears should be allayed because it is it's it's really good. Doesn't feel as quite as rushed as uh, Inferno. No, actually, doesn't feel rushed at all. It's 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 interesting in a lot of different ways. Really good. Or talk about it too much, but mm-hmm. the art feels a little bit different. Um, there's sort of some new new direction in the art. Um, but yeah, it's 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 very cool. And we're also deal, dealing with demons. They are a little more, bit more colorful than the normal marines, I'd say. Oh yeah, there's like so much more colorful than the normal <laughs> Marines. <laughs> yeah, and they they fully express like do anything, do whatever you want. They do specify GW model, which I think is funny because um, when they talk about militia mm-hmm. and you know, Ogren can really be anything from Ogren to robots to big cats and take whatever infantry models you like. Um, yeah, they didn't add that caveat, <laughs> and I think they might have. Seen everybody's rocking, you know, Anvil Injury Industries or Aunt Vicky's stuff, yeah. you know, everything <laughs> under the sun, and we're like, hmm, maybe we should, we should mention we have other stuff that can be used as demons for I, GW models. 
Well, I don't know if you guys saw any of the previews that came out at Adepticon. Well, I think they're out now, right? Like on the community page. But the like the Slaneshi models are phenomenal, right? They're just oh, super, that they're gorgeous, dude. It's unsettling in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah. So I think GW has a range of demon models that they want you to get, whereas like they don't really. I mean, Imperial Guard. Yeah, okay, maybe. Yeah. Go dust um, off your old Praetorians, boys. But, yeah, but so they make allowances. But for, for these demons, I would expect them to be, to hold the line maybe a little bit more because oh, they have a beautiful range. Yeah, There's so much, like the Kadai Destroyers from Forge World, the Femir from Forge World. Oh, yeah. You know, the weird, you know, magma monsters that uh, the Troll Slayers have now. There, There's an endless possibility, especially the Age of Sigmar. Absolutely. I think it might also be a subtle ploy um, for those of us that are still feeling the pain of fantasy with round bases to maybe take a look at those models again in a new light because <laughs> they are very pretty. And uh, that giant beetle could very easily be a large demon of something. Right? <laughs> well, that's true, Austin, right? So like, like you get a demon army and like actually you can play three games now, right? You can play Heresy. You can play Apes, and you you play Age of Sigmar. So there's your gateway drug, boys and girls, right? Boys and girls listening out there with, you know, on an allowance, spending your lunch money, you know, like Dave was 25 years ago. Um, Yeah, do it, man. Buy you a demon army and play all the games. And I love how the fact that it it plays so differently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Spoiler alert. The like blood letter equivalents are two wounds apiece. Like this is not the 40k demon list. Oh yeah, definitely not. Oh no, we'll get there. I can't wait yeah. to talk about unit profiles because man, there's some there's some shockers. Looking forward to it. Um yeah, uh, wrapping up this episode. Uh, thanks for everybody who came to the Zone Mortalis event this Saturday or last Saturday, I should say. Got a good group. I think we had a dozen people show up. A lot of people yeah. were up at Adepticon and uh see we had six tables going and it was a blast. An absolute blast. So Yeah, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun to watch. Especially Will's fucking sucking people out of the airlock. Uh, oh oh yeah, this one was really mean. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yep. Jason and I didn't miss didn't fail a single test. Well, some other tables lost half their army to yeah. them. So. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, three or four Deathsworn suck out the airlock. Sad, but Ooh, crushing. I I also accidentally brought a super rude list. Um, <laughs> accidentally, air well, quotes. So no, 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 no. So for Nova <laughs> last year, I you were supposed to, you were able to bring two lists, right? So I brought one that was a bunch of gray slayers with like six Deathsworn in it. And then I brought one that was all Deathsworn all the time. And I, I handed bo- both lists to my opponents every game. and said, you know, whichever one you want to play against, I, I just wrote lists. I'm happy to do whatever. Every single one of those brave fools picked the all Deathsworn list. And I won one, lost one. I won one, lost two. So I was like, maybe Deathsworn aren't that bad in Zone Mortalis. But just to be safe, I'll tone it down a little by... Uh, taking the named character and throwing some gray slayers in there that that should tone it down nicely for, you know, a gentleman's zone mortalis game. 
that apparently made that army unbeatable. It was super kind of rude. The scene where the Gray Slayers and the Death Sworn are just wiping off their axes in the hallways. Oh my God, my Gray Slayers oh, got to turn one charge twice because <laughs> they could run and charge. So I was like, yeah. I'm just gonna like run forward and bash things and you know roll dice and have a good old time. And like I played Ryan the first game, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna run. And it'll probably leave me in front of a door with 40 bolters pointed at him. But screw it. I'm a run. It'll be fun. Oh, I got a six. Sweet. I can see that guy now. Oh, <laughs> I, I made that 10-inch charge. And then killed <laughs> nine of them for one casualty and ran the rest down. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Maybe I was ruder than I thought. Oops. Were, were you guys playing with um, any of the special rules like Blood in the Void or Locked? Um, where the, the doors can be controlled, locked, or open, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we were playing with the door rules for that one, but we weren't doing any of the, like, you know, strength or better is rendered. Were you playing with the, any of the blood in the void rules or anything like that? We didn't play any of the campaign rules. We just had their own uh, very specific uh, homebrewed missions, more or less. That, That's cool. Yeah. yeah. That was a lot of you fun. Went smoothly. And, uh, yeah, it was a blast. I failed. <laughs> In my first game, I failed two charges, rolling snake eyes on both, and that was so crushing. Ah, it was like a five-inch charge and a six-inch charge, and I made neither. Double ones. <laughs> well, hopefully you won't get them in your next game. At least you got them out of the dice. Yeah. But no, it, w- it was an absolute blast. Like I faced up against uh, Death Guard with... Their- <sighs> Those heavy flamers with the rending, yeah. the strength six. Ah, it was so no, that camp, was, the cam munitions. Yeah. yeah, that was my game too, and it was brutal and terrifying. So he had a he had a squad of heavy flamers behind a uh, a contemptor dreadnought, and I had a five man melta squadron. I was like, okay, if I can blow this uh, contemptor out, I can mow down the other heavy flamers before they get a chance. Well, I uh, five melta guys managed to. Hit twice and one glance, and he saved that. I was like, uh oh. <laughs> I, uh, I actually had the exact opposite problem <laughs> in my game against him. I charged in with Death Sworn, and behind that were missile launchers and flamers. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I'm not going to swing with the Melta Bombs. I'll just swing with a couple of the Thunder Hammers, and that'll like statistically, you know, do a couple of hull points, and I'll be locked in combat. So he can't flamethrower me. Yeah. Proceeded to do four penetrating hits and one glancing, none of which were saved. You know, <laughs> like my death swarm were just like, we, we don't stop. And then just flamethrower, <laughs> flamethrower and running death. Swarm was sad. Nice. Mm. All right. Yeah, well, shout out, shout out to Will for running a, a super cool event. It was a lot of fun. And with that folks, I think we're going to call it a night. Thanks for, uh, staying and listening and uh, we're going to talk about some demons up next time hopefully we'll have dave and robbie to talk about uh adepticon and their um their experiences there looking forward to that and uh for that i guess that's it anything else no you guys have fun keep rolling those dice bye (laughs) think about demons I'll bother all of them. <laughs> have a good night, everybody. Yep, have a good night. <laughs>
That was the wrong button. Awesome. <laughs> Classy. Perfect. Which All button right. did you want to hit? <laughs> Somebody just poured a beer. Sounds good. Perfect. Oh, I hope that's saved. <laughs> I think it's saved. That's I right. Mean, I also have, have Craig as well. That's right. About to say it better save. I just-